thank you that we are here, Lord, to seek you. And God, with all of our hearts, Lord, as we've been worshiping and praying and just sitting before your feet, with all of our heart, God, we want to get to know you in a deeper way. And so speak to us through your word, God. Move upon us, Lord. And, and God, I pray that your spirit would just give us ears to hear, Lord, what you want to say to us. God, help us, Lord. Give us a mind to understand your truths before us. And Lord, give us a heart, God, to be open and honest before you, to receive, Lord, your word and apply it to our life. So we ask, God, for your spirit to anoint this time now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, in April 1493, the Turkish leader Mehmed II surrounded the city of Constantinople. And a month later, the city fell to the Turkish Empire, the Ottoman Empire, and brought the final end to the Eastern Roman Empire. Well, during that time, during the siege, there was this interesting story of when that first siege came upon the city. And what was going on? When the army surrounded the city, the people were wondering in fear if this Christ, their Christian city would fall to the Islamic dominion. So a local church council, they got together at the church. But interesting thing, it wasn't like we would think to pray. They met and they started a discussion. They got into this crazy discussion and they went over issues like this. What color were the eyes of the Virgin Mary? Are angels male or female? Or another subject they talked about. In the middle of all this commotion, uh, what happens if a fly falls into sanctified water? Is the fly sanctified or the water polluted? Kind of crazy, right? Now, now, I call that getting off track. I mean, what they should have been doing is praying. They should have been seeking God and going to God for help. You could say that they got way off focus. Well, as we continue our study here in the book of Hebrews, some Jewish believers are putting more importance on Moses rather than Jesus. And that was really taking them off track. So the writer resets their spiritual eyes to lock onto Jesus and focus on what matters. And that's the title of our message this morning. Focus on what matters. Focus on what matters. We're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 3 from verse 1 through 6 this morning. And here's our outline for this passage. Number one is consider what Jesus did. Like focus on what matters. Well, how? Consider what Jesus did. Number two, consider who Jesus is. And number three, consider whose Jesus he is. So let's begin here. Focus on what matters. Number one, consider what Jesus did. Take a look with me here now. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. It reads here, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. And we'll stop right there. Well, we begin with this word, be our compassionate and understanding high priest. So if you're with us, you remember we covered those things. So the writer's connecting us to what he just saw. And he says, therefore. Therefore means since Jesus became like us. 
seekers. Another uh, good word for that is companions. You companions of the heavenly calling, which really talk about saved people who now belong to heaven. So he's saying, since Jesus became like us and did all that, hey, you guys, hey, you believers, hey, you, you people who are on their way to heaven, you believers need to, and then he says, consider. Consider what? Well, he's really talking about Jesus here. Consider Jesus. And then he gives two descriptions of Jesus. First of all here, in verse 1, he says, Jesus, our apostle. Now, the word apostle literally in the Bible means sent out one. And here, it's used to speak of Jesus as how he is our ambassador. He, he's, he was sent from the Father to represent the Father. And then secondly, Jesus is described here, our priest. So consider Jesus, our apostle, and secondly, our high priest. And remember, we learned last week that that means Jesus is our mediator who speaks to God on our behalf. So I like this because the right here puts out the apostle, this ambassador, puts out our high priest, our mediator. And if you really take those two things together, our apostle, Jesus, represents God to us, right? And then as our high priest, Jesus represents us to God. So we see his role here. And then so he says, hey, you believers now, therefore, because of Jesus became like us and all that he did, you believers need to consider how Jesus is like our ambassador, our high priest. And all of this is really, and he says here, right, our confession, He's Christ Jesus. He's the Messiah, our Lord, our confession. In other words, Jesus is the one who believers confess publicly as to be their Lord and Savior. So the idea here in verse 1 is this. Since Jesus became a human being like us and did much for our salvation, then you believers who accepted and confessed Him into your heart as the one sent from God and who, who mediates for us, the new believers need to seriously consider Jesus as to what is most important in life. And that's the idea in this verse. Now, what really opens up this verse and to understand what's going on is this word, consider. In the original language in the Greek, Greek it's kata noel, and it means to direct one's attention to. It has this idea of, of to immerse oneself in, to fix your mind upon. So this isn't like, well, consider Jesus like we just take a quick glance and then just look the other way. Or it's not just noticing something and then uh, thinking about something else. No, it's really to put all your attention and heart and everything into it. Uh, one commentator I was reading, Lloyd, Lloyd Ogilvie, uh, he, he put this in, he said it this way. He's, he wrote, a livelier translation might be, bring your mind down on this one. And I like that. It's like bring your full mind onto this, your full focus on it, onto Jesus. So when he says consider Jesus here, consider Jesus in who he is, consider Jesus in how he, what he did, consider Jesus in, in how you confessed him, it's to have such an interest that it wakes you up. It's to have such a hunger for Jesus that it becomes a priority. It takes priority. It's to have such a focus that you get lost to anything else around you. 
So right away here in verse 1, here's what the writer establishes. Consider Jesus most of all with a passionate focus to keep him your highest interest. And that's a point I want to make here. This is what the writer is really putting forth here as we come into this passage. Consider Jesus most of all with a passionate focus to keep him your highest interest. Now, I think this is a good word for us today because it's easy for us to get distracted. It's easy even to sit here this morning. Oh, it's cold. <laughs> yeah, it's chilly. Oh, oh, wow, the, the rain's coming down. You know, it's easy. It's easy. Oh, hey, that person in front of me, they combed their hair today. No, just joking. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's easy to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I think it's a good Good word for us. Consider Jesus most of all with a passionate focus. That's what the word consider is talking about. A focus to, to keep him your highest interest. You know, this year personally I decided that the last thing I want on my mind before I fall asleep is to be something of the Lord. I want it to be about God. I mean, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes, you know, I'm laying in bed and kind of getting ready, fall asleep, and what I do, take out my phone, right? And I take out my phone, and, and uh, you know, I start reading some news or looking at reviews of something I want to buy or even watching some random YouTube kind of video kind of thing, and my wife's like, what's that light? Oh, 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 you know, kind of thing. You know, turn it off, you know, and it's just, it helps me to shut my mind down, but you know, I was thinking, I want, I want Jesus to be the last thing on my mind when I go to bed. And he is on the first thing on my mind because I wake up and read the Bible. But when I go to bed, I want it to be God. And so now I, I try and read the Bible at least. I have an app on my phone or, or read a devotional that's on my phone. Or I'll even put my, you know, my, my uh, AirPods in and try and listen to maybe a Bible study for a little bit. But it's important to me. Why? Because I want Jesus to be my highest interest. I want to consider Jesus with, with a passion. You know, most of all, I want to consider him above everything else. I want to keep Jesus first. So I, was, I wanted to challenge myself in that way. I wanted to really show the Lord that he matters more than anything else in this world, more than the news, more than watching TV, you know, last thing and go to bed, or, or any of my interests. I wanted to let Jesus know that he is my highest interest. And this is what the writers is bringing us into this thought as he adds some more things later. Consider Jesus most of all with a passionate focus to keep him your highest interest. How do you show Jesus that he is Number one in your life. Are, do you really take the time to get to know God better? Are you learning more about what the Word of God is saying so you can understand Him and hear from Him better? Well, that's what the writer is telling the readers here. Jesus, our ambassador. Jesus, our high priest. Jesus, the one we had dedicated our life to and confessed Him as our Lord and Savior when we did the sinner's prayer. After all He's done for us, and becoming like this, he's the one to consider as what is most important. The writer's telling the readers here and us, God is saying, focus on what matters. And what is that? Jesus. 
Let's go on here to verse 2 now. It says, Who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. So the, so the writer goes on here and he says, Jesus now was faithful to him. Who's that? The Heavenly Father. In the plan of salvation, Jesus was faithful in fulfilling, completing that plan. And it was the Father who appointed Jesus to complete the mission. So the Father appointed Jesus for this mission to die for our sins and bring about salvation. And Jesus was faithful to that. Well, Jesus was faithful, he, and the writer says here in the second part of verse 2, as Moses also was faithful. In other words, as Moses was faith, also faithful to God in his mission, in the mission that the Lord had given Moses. And then the writer adds this interesting uh, phrase here at the end of verse 2, in all his house. Now, this is the, when he says house, he's not talking about like, Moses' family or maybe what he built for his family to live in. Not a building. But here the house refers to those who Moses ministered to. And that is who? The people of God. Or you could say the household of God. The family of God. So the idea is this. Jesus was faithful to God's mission that was given him just as Moses was was faithful to God's mission that was given to him, and Moses ministered to the household of God. So here is the writer saying, when you consider Jesus, consider what Jesus did. Consider how faithful he was, just like Moses. And that's our heading here, consider what, what Jesus did. Now, as we're coming into this passage, understand this, remember the writer, which we don't know who the writer is exactly, uh, he is writing to the Jewish believers and trying to pull in the unbelievers too. And so thus the title of this book, right? Hebrews. So understand that he's, as he's focusing, as he's writing to the Hebrew guys, the Jewish believers saw this, Moses as the greatest man and leader and prophet ever. He was head and shoulders above all. So the writer's trying to get them to see Jesus in this way, but even more, but even more. If you compare what Moses did and what Jesus did, it is similar. I mean, if you think about it, like Moses was considered great to the Jews because he delivered Israel from the bondage of Egypt, right? He brought them out of Egypt into the wilderness to the, up to the promised land. Well, Jesus is great too because he delivered us out of the bondage of sin. Moses was considered great to the Jews because he was the lawgiver, right? The Ten Commandments. Matter of fact, they, they began to call really the law Moses' law, the law of Moses, right? Well, you know what? Jesus is great for he is the law fulfiller, right? Uh, Moses was also considered great because in Hebrews 11, it says he forsook the riches of Egypt to associate with his people, the Jews. Well, I think about how Jesus is great because he forsook the riches of heaven to associate with man. And how about this? Moses was considered great because he talked face to face with God. But you know what? Mo Jesus is greater because the one who Moses talked to was Jesus. Well, the writer begins here now 
to help the Jews see this. And this is another point I want to make in our section. Jesus is just as great as Moses ever was and even more. Jesus is just as great as Moses ever was and even more. In 2001, George W. Bush was president of the United States and Ariel Sharon was prime minister of Israel. I don't know if, if you heard this story, but uh, during that, that time, uh, they were scheduled for a meeting. But Sharon showed up late. Bush was upset. Sharon told him, Mr. President, I'm sorry, but I was talking to someone more important than you. Bush muttered, how dare him? Who can be more important than the President of the United States? Sharon heard that and told him, Mr. President, I was talking to Moses. Bush was impressed. He asked, well, well, can I talk to Moses? I want to talk to him. So the Prime Minister got on his cell phone and spoke Hebrew with someone on the other end. After hanging up, Sharon turns to George W. and says, Mr. President, I'm sorry, but Moses says he doesn't want to talk to you. See, the last time he talked to a bush, it cost him 40 years in the wilderness. It's a joke. (laughs) Maybe he really did that. (laughs) But I guess it would be something, right, to talk to Moses, to talk with him, right? The greatest leader of Israel. But you know what? The writer's saying, look, you guys, Jesus is just as great as Moses ever was, but even more than that. There's someone even greater that you and I, we can talk to, and that's Jesus. That's the Lord. How important is Jesus to you? This this is a thought, right? Consider Jesus. How important is to you? If Moses or say someone other important, someone uh, other person who's really important, some high level person were in the same room as you, wouldn't you give your undivided attention? You know, you'd be like, "Whoa, look, it's there. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Whoa, I want to meet him. I want to talk to them." But when was the last time that you took the time to really stop and just sit before the Lord? To give Him your full attention in prayer, in your devotions. I mean, do you rush out of your house into your day without really stopping to be with Him? Do you rush out like, oh, I I read my verses. Okay, see you later. God, please bless us. All right, see you later. Do you just rush out like that? You're missing this opportunity to be with the most important person ever, Jesus. How important is he to you? Or maybe you're putting someone else in that place. Or maybe you're putting something else in that place of importance. Let's not do that, but let's put Jesus in that place of importance and focus on what matters. Well, we've seen, number one, consider what Jesus did. Focus on what matters. How? Consider what Jesus did. Well, number two in our outline, let's move on here. Number two is consider who Jesus is. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 3 now. It says, For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Verse 4, For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. 
All right, here the writer goes on and he says that actually this one, and who is that? Jesus. He's been talking about Jesus. Thus in a New King James that we're reading out of here, the, the, the O is capitalized. For this one, that's Jesus, is to be counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Remember these guys thought Moses was the greatest thing, but the writer's saying, no, no, no. Jesus is to be given more honor. More honors being greater than Moses. And why is that? Well, he says here that he who built the house basically deserves more honor than the house itself. So in this an- analogy, it makes sense that the ar- ar- architect, the developer, right, gets more honor than the house that was built, right? So he says in verse 4 that, that this house, every house, right, is not built by itself it's someone else it's every house is built by someone right but we know this is what the writer's saying god has built all things and and take note here note that this is talking about jesus the one we saw just before this right and then mentions god who built it well jesus is god here okay so the house remembers the people of god moses then is just part of the house but jesus is the builder the one who saves people to become part of the household of god so the writer saying this jesus deserves more glory because moses is just a member of the house jesus built so logically he's he's putting this out we know this uh, paul said in ephesians 2 19 now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of god so then the writer adds this look at verse 5 and moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward but Christ, verse 6, as a son over his own house. And we're going to stop right there. Now, Moses was a faithful servant. And that's a key word here. As he ministered to the household of God. He, had, he gave testimony, it says here in verse 5, to those things really about the Messiah. That's the things they're talking about. That were to be spoken about after. So what Moses wrote about, What Moses gave testimony to was about the Messiah. And then once the Messiah came, we could look back in the Old Testament, we see, wow, this was about Jesus. Remember, Moses wrote the Pentateuch. You know what that is? The Pentateuch, right? The first five books in our Bible. The first five books of the Old Testament. And Moses authored those books. Genesis, the whole beginning of the world, and everything. And within those pages, they all point to Jesus Christ the Messiah. So Moses, the servant, actually wrote about the Messiah who is really greater than him. MacArthur said Moses was faithful primarily as a testimony to that which was to come, Christ. So we see here Moses is just a servant of the Lord giving the testimony of the Messiah to come. Uh, He's a servant in the house. He's part of the people of God. But then the writer contrasts in verse 6, Christ is what? The Son. He's the Son. As a matter of fact, He's the Son, but He's over His own house. So not only did Jesus build the house, but He's the owner of the house. So here's the idea. Moses is just a servant, 
in God's house. But Jesus is the son who owns the house. So consider who Jesus is. He's not a servant. Moses is a servant. But the owner, the master, is Jesus. And that's our heading. Consider who Jesus is. Now, understand again that this book written to the Jewish believers. And, and what, as we've begun to see even in the last chapter, and we're going to see throughout this book, is that the Jewish believers, some of them began to waver in their faith. Some of them began to to. to leave Jesus and, 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 and what, who he is and keeping him number one. And they were like drifting back to, to their roots, drifting back to oh, growing up Jewish and exalting Moses. Matter of fact, scholars tell us and, and that, that some of the Jews then even put um, Moses higher than the angels. Some even felt Moses was one step higher than Jesus. It wasn't Jesus, it was Moses that was above Jesus. So you can see how easily it was for these Jewish believers to drift back to their old way of thinking. The writer is saying, yes, Moses was great. Yeah, we honor, we respect him. But you know, Jesus is far greater and you need to honor him in that way. So here, the writer logically shows Jesus is the builder of God's household and Moses is just the instrument God used to build it. That's really the point here. Let me say that again. Jesus is the builder of God's household and Moses is just the instrument God used to build it. I was thinking about this. Um, what, if, uh, what if you went up to to Zach, you know, our worship leader, and asked him, could I see your Taylor guitar? And he puts his gu- guitar into your hands, and, and, and wouldn't it be a little strange or weird, you know, if you start to say, oh, great Taylor guitar. Oh, how wonderful the music is that comes out of you. You're such a blessing to me. Thank you so much for leading me into such sweet worship here. Now, Zach would probably look at you really funny and say, uh, can I have my guitar back? And then he'd run away from you, right? <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, usually you think the person who's playing the guitar, not the instrument, right? I mean, even if, if you say, wow, your, your tailor sounds really good, you, you know, um, you, you can hear it. You only could hear it sounds good, that good because of the player, right? The person playing. It's just an instrument. The guitar is just an instrument in the hands of the player. So that's the idea here. That's the same idea. Moses is just a tool of the builder. The builder is Jesus. So Jesus deserves the greater glory. Jesus is the builder of God's household. Moses is just the instrument of God used to build it. Listen, with that in mind, watch out when you start to think. It's you. <laughs> Watch out. That you're the one with the, ooh, the talent. You're the one who's making things happen. That your ministry and your accomplishments, oh, the kingdom that's around you, oh, it is of you. Let me let you in on a secret. It's not you. <laughs> it's Jesus. It's God. So don't get bummed if no one says anything. Yeah. Don't get bummed that they give God the glory. Then you know what? Praise the Lord. Yeah? Praise the Lord. 
You know, for me personally, I, I, I think about, well, the only thing I've really accomplished is to make a mess of things, you know. But when God works, He brings the blessings. He does the work. God may use people to get much kingdom work done, but ultimately, it's God who's done the building. And even with that thought, don't exalt the person so much, but give God the glory, right? They're just an instrument, but Jesus is the one moving. All right, well, we've seen, consider what Jesus did. Consider who Jesus is. Now let's go to number three here. Consider whose Jesus he is. Consider whose Jesus he is. Hebrews chapter 3 the second part of verse 6 now. Whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Now, the, the writer finishes off here in this verse, and this is the last part of what we'll look at this morning. And, and the, so the writer adds that, that we will show whose house we are part of if we hold fast. That's the idea. We will show whose house that what we really belong to, whose household, if we hold fast. Holding fast means to hold steadfast. And here it says to hold steadfast to confidence. And interesting, this word in the original really talks about having boldness. And then he says rejoicing of the hope. I think better uh, uh, translation of rejoicing is boast, boasting of the hope and the hope is that jesus is our hope that jesus is everything jesus is our everything jesus is our all in all and that's all we need and it the idea is that we would just hold on steadfast with boldness boasting that jesus is my hope all the way firm to the end to the end like not wavering persevering all the way till you reach heaven So here's the writer. He's saying, show that you are part of the household of God by boldly keeping Jesus your all in all. So consider whose Jesus he is. And that's that's our heading. That's the idea. In other words, is he really your Jesus? Is he really your your Jesus first? Is he really the one you prayed to receive in salvation? Is he really your Jesus that you confess and gave your life to? Is Is he really your Jesus that you believe in? That he is your everything? That he is your hope? That he can take care of all your needs? That he can have answers to every question you have? Is he your Jesus in that way? Consider whose Jesus he is. Now, understand again as a writer is writing to jewish believers that they're going through a lot right now they're 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 just under a lot of stress and a lot of suffering and persecution going on and and it was easy for them to slide back into their old jewish ways to slide back into their jewish rituals and traditions and the laws of moses and looking at moses because things are going crazy many of the jewish believers were feeling the pressure from their family and friends of what are you doing who is this jesus what are you following jesus and they were getting persecuted from their peers and family 
What? You leaving the Jewish ways? and ma- what? What, are you, what are you doing? The people around them, they weren't happy and it was becoming hard for them to be steadfast, to be firm, persevering all the way, to stay dedicated to Jesus. And you know what happens when that, that things like that happen? You start to doubt, right? Whoa, well, maybe, oh, maybe uh, what I'm following or believing in is, oh, maybe it's not real. Maybe, maybe it's not right. Yeah. Oh, well, you go through some suffering going, well, well God, God well, I thought you loved me. I'm going through this. What is that? And you start to doubt things. Well, imagine these guys, these Jewish believers who came out of Judaism. They grew up in that way. They got saved. They said the prayer. They're following Jesus. And now, family, their whole, where they live and the, the town, people around them are like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? It's not Jesus, it's Moses. Now, also understand, the writer's not saying if you persevere, you will be saved. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, but if you are saved, you will persevere persevere through the hard times. It's because you're saved, you know what, you're going to make it. But what's important is that you put Jesus first. The one you committed to. The one you belong to. Is Jesus yours? The one you, 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 you're seen as greater than Moses. So what matters is to keep Jesus your all in all. Your number one. Your everything. As some people say, we got to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. And that's Jesus. With Jesus being the main thing, the writer saying, you will make it all the way through and to the end. So our last point is this. Those who continually put a strong focus on Jesus show they belong to the household of God. Those who continually put a strong focus on Jesus show they belong to the household of God. And I'm talking about a strong focus. A strong like you holding on for dear life. A strong he's number one. A passion for him. A a, a love for him. Of wanting to be with him. To get to know him. I'm talking about that kind of strong focus. You show you belong to the household of God. Yesterday I was was kind of playing around with my uh, uh, camera on my iPhone and I was sitting at our dining table, and I had my, my uh, actually my flask was sitting there. And behind that, um, just a little bit to the side, was this vase. Um, the girls were getting ready for the couple's night out, and a, a, a table setting, and had some, a candle, flowers in it. And then behind that was our sliding glass door. And so I was playing, playing around with, with the camera, just, just goofing around. I was studying, but I was like, oh, I need a break. So I was goofing around. And, and playing with the camera and seeing what it does. And I don't know if you knew, knew this, but, you know, on our phones, if you get the camera, you can just tap with your finger and, and focus in, you know, make different focus points, right? You don't have to just point it in the middle and it focuses on that. No, you just tap with your finger. So if, if something's on the side you want to focus on, you tap to the side. Or if it's in the middle, you tap to the middle or on the other side. So I just had, held the camera and I, I, I tapped where my flask was and it focused on that. And everything around it got blurry. Then I focused on the next thing behind it was that vase and I tapped on that and that came in focus. My flask was out of focus and the, the sliding glass door was out of focus. And then I tapped beyond that, 
to the sliding glass door behind that, our, our slider, and then that came in focus, and my flask and the vase, it went out of focus. And, and what I love, too, when I tapped on a, a sliding glass door, the, it not only focused on that, but it set the exposure to what it saw there, which was the outside. Now, inside, everything was clear, but once I tapped the sliding glass door and it focused on that and set the exposure, all of a sudden I could see outside, the, the yard and the clouds and everything. It just like, whoa, and everything else was dark. And, and I was just playing around with that, and, you know, just, just seeing the richness of the color outside and, you know, the focus. Well, you know what? I was thinking how this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to put into focus what matters. And he wants us to tap, so to, to say it this way, tap on the screen of your heart and reset the focus on Jesus Christ in our lives. Stop focusing on other things. You know, when you get Jesus as the main focus, the, the exposure all of a sudden adjusts, and, and all of a sudden you see your, his beauty. All of a sudden you see what he's about, what he did, who he's about. All of a sudden you see, oh, Lord, you're, you're, my, you're my God. You're the one who loves me. You're the one who took care of me. We need to, like, reset our focus and tap on Jesus. Listen, God puts in you, when you are saved, a heart for Jesus. So you, so you know, you, you feel that, right? I mean, we study a passage like this, and you hear these words, what happens? You feel that tug on your heart. You, you feel that, yeah, that longing. You feel this thirst for Him. You, this spark of truth is starting this fire inside of you, deep inside, and you're saying, amen, I, I really want Jesus. I need Him more. And that's what the writer is saying. Those who continually put a strong focus on Jesus show they belong to the house of God. And then so that, that heart for Jesus, that longing is in you because you're one of Him. You're a child of God. You belong to that household. But we can get off focus sometimes. Hey, if you feel that tug in your heart and what I'm talking about, if you feel that yearning, if you really believe, then you know that this is important. You know that you need to make sure, what am I focused on here? And you know what? Let me tell you, even me, I got to make continual adjustments. Yeah? We all do. As we live in this world, as we go through life, as we, we, we face problems and sufferings and situations and we get hurt or, or, or persecution goes on, sometimes our focus gets way off. But you know what? When we set our focus back on Jesus, I'll tell you, that's what's going to get you through. That's how you can endure. That's how you can persevere all the way to the end. I love what one commentator said. When trials or temptations come into our lives, we need to focus our attention on Jesus and keep it there until all that He is begins to unfold for us. Isn't that good? The commentator went on to say, Many Christians are spiritually weak and struggle with worry and anxiety because they don't know the depths and the riches of Christ. Oh, I love that. It's not just, oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, but 
as you look into Jesus, you, 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 you start to consider what he did and what he can do. You start to consider who he is. And being who he is, how much he can really help us. And then you consider, wow, Jesus is in my life. Jesus, Jesus is mine. He's part of in me. Perhaps that's a problem. Perhaps maybe you have not held to the right focus. Perhaps your focus is off and Jesus is not all he should be in your life. So we got to go tap the screen of our heart, reset the focus so that you're not focused on, on, on the suffering. You're not focused on, on the situation. You're not focused on the hurt. You're not focused on the overwhelming problems that can blind you to Jesus. Remember how Peter walked on the water? Jesus, I want to go out to you. And Jesus is like, yeah, go, come then. Yeah? And he starts walking on the water. And he, was, he, he, was, he was living a miracle. He, it, it was a miracle for him to do that. And then he, what? He, he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at what? The waves and the storm. And then he, that's when he started to sink. We need to lock on to Jesus. You know, sometimes our focus is off just a little bit. Yeah? Like in my camera, I had three things, but I could be just off of the sliding glass door and only see that. And exposure is just that, and I only see that much. Sometimes we're focused maybe on the blessing. I want to get a blessing. And, and, and you're just, Jesus is here, and you know God gives you a blessing, but you're so focused on the blessing. Or you're fo- so focused that I want to get the blessing, or I'm not getting a blessing. Some people, they're focused on the ritual and not Jesus. Well, I got to come to church, I got to come to church, I got to sit through church, and then I'll be okay. That's not what it's about. It's about Jesus. Right? Some are focused on, I got to get the miracle. I want the miracle. Yeah? Yeah, amen. The miracles, they point us to Jesus. But it has to be Jesus first. It's Jesus. Sometimes we're off just, just a little bit. Sometimes we're way off as material things pull us off focus. Of, of riches, of, oh, I'm short money. And then you, all, you pour everything into to try to work and you miss Jesus that way. Sometimes we focus on the loneliness. And we're all lost in that. And we get overcome with that when we should be looking at Jesus. Sometimes we're focusing on running and escaping. Yeah? The problem, the pain. You don't like dealing with the discouragement or doubts. Yeah? But if you focus on Jesus, he can give you his love, his peace. Some people focus on, well, what people think of you. Yeah? Well, when you come to church, you're all worried about what people think more than Jesus. What do you want to say to me? Sometimes we focus on pushing our own agenda. Yeah? I want what I want. I know better. I know this. But you're not focusing on Jesus who knows better than you. And really, a lot of times we focus on self, right? On ourself. We become the center of our universe, right? Yeah? I mean, 
well, God, if you don't do what I, I like, then forget you, yeah? Because you're, you're focused on yourself. Or you come to church or you, you, you pick events to go to or the church is doing this and church is doing that or church is having this and, and you go, well, what's in it for me? If I get something out of it, okay, I'll be there. If not, I'm not showing up. Yeah? What does Jesus want? You know? Sometimes we get caught up on focusing on living our life for our own pleasure or, or how about when we're hurt, sometimes we're focusing on that other person who hurt us and and, and we focus on jealousy and bitterness and, and even retaliation. But you understand what I'm saying? Tap the screen of your heart. Reset the focus so that you're not so focused on these things, but put the focus back on Jesus. And that's what's going to help you. That's what's going to free you. That's what, where the strength and the power and the peace and the security comes from. It's Jesus you guys. Let me close with this. Karen never knew her father. He had abandoned the family when she was only two years old. Even though this abusive and alcoholic father left, the mother made Karen write a Father's Day card every year to this person she never knew. Although Karen's father never accepted her, she found a different way to fill the void. She learned in church that God was her ultimate father. Whenever she went out to play on her skates, she'd yell, Hey, God, look at me. She focused on God that way. And you know, through that, she began to, to feel a special awareness of his presence. She found great love from God. She found great security from her Heavenly Father. And she learned in Psalm 68, 5, that the Heavenly Father is the father to the fatherless. All this was because Karen put her focus on God. Now, she could have grown up and blamed God for her father's choices. She could have focused on her bitterness and pain. She could have focused on abandonment. And she could have rebelled in response of all of this. But Karen kept her focus on God, and she found that healing. She found that freedom. She found that joy. And she found that peace. That's it, you guys. That's the secret to persevering. That's the secret to find healing. That's the secret to find freedom. That's the secret to finding strength to get through this messed up world. That's the secret to find love. And that's to refocus on the one who really loves you. Put your eyes on Jesus and focus on what really matters. Let's pray. Lord God, forgive us for getting off track in our lives, Lord, for putting our focus on other things that, Lord, haven't really helped, for the consequences of that decision, Lord. Forgive us, God, for, for being put into bondage or, or being led astray, God. Forgive us, God, for <clears throat> not putting you first and even, even rituals or even looking for things, Lord, that are just off target. But Lord, we want to lock our eyes upon you, Lord. We want to be steadfast in this. We want to do everything we can, Lord, 
to stay focused on what really matters, and that's you, Jesus. God, help us to make the choice to rearrange our lives, Lord, to rearrange our schedules, God, to, to stick to our appointments with you, Lord, to honor you and look at you as more important than anyone or anything else in this world. Lord, that we would passionately do this because of what you did and who you are and, and, and who who's, you really belong to, God, that we belong to you and you belong to us, Lord. Lord, may we do this because, God, we want to honor you and glorify you and and show you that, Lord. Jesus, may we do these things because deep down, we love you. We love you so much. And we want to love you more. And the Holy Spirit has put that in us and and you are fanning the flame right now. For some of us, it's, it's, it's barely a spark, but God, spark it into a flame. For some of us, it's almost going out, but Lord, fan it into a flame. Lord, for some of us, there is a flame, but God, we want a bonfire, Lord. God, we want to be on fire for you and all that we do and say and think and and are and, and with our love, Lord. May it be a burning hot bonfire love that, God, we would be passionate and seeking you, being with you, God, spending time with you. We need you, God. But we know it all begins here with focusing on you. So, Lord, we reset our focus today, and we commit our eyes to be locked on to you, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. Let's all stand, and we'll close with one last song.